Grace, mercy, and peace to you in the name of our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. This morning, our our sermon is going to be a little bit rocky. Uh, that's, uh, as I mentioned at the beginning of service, uh, we're looking at the wonderful foundation uh, we have in Christ because of Christ's resurrection as we continue this Easter celebration and uh, unpacking all that it means for us. Uh, the uh, message last week, we talked about that great famous metaphor of the good shepherd, which is very prevalent throughout the scriptures. Uh, today in our epistle lesson, uh, we get uh, an equally pervasive and profound, though slightly less famous perhaps, uh, metaphor uh, in that uh, of the rock. And of course, Peter is a, a good one to be talking about it as uh, Peter uh, means a rock. Uh, you can could actually translate his name if we wanted into rock, like Rock Hudson, or Rocky, like Rocky Balboa. Uh, Jesus gave him that nickname, actually, even though it wasn't his given name. Uh, he was, his birth name was Simon. Uh, but he was nicknamed a rock or, or Rocky uh, as a reflection of uh, this really big idea uh, that includes uh, who God is, who Christ is, uh, and Beyond that, even what is our situation, both without Christ and who we are in Christ. And so we'll be looking at all of that as we unpack that rock metaphor of who Christ is, uh, what is our situation without Christ, and who we are in Christ as well. It starts out uh, with the uh, epistle lesson as... Uh, Peter uh, refers to uh, the, the Old Testament uh, promises of God and uh, prophecies uh, about the Christ, referring to Isaiah 28. Therefore, thus says the Lord, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a tested stone, a costly cornerstone for the foundation, firmly placed. Uh, he who believes in it will not be disturbed. Uh, that cornerstone uh, lays the foundation uh, on which you can build a, a solid structure. Uh, it's a, a foundation that you can depend on, that will not move or shake, uh, that uh, provides stability. And that's the, the heart of the metaphor, really, is that stability uh, that we have built on Christ. Uh, that he will not fail us. While the, the world changes uh, around us, as we uh, prayed in our collect this morning, uh, having our hearts set on the, the changeless love of God in Christ uh, gives us stability and security uh, when everything else uh, changes and gives away. That cornerstone gives us a uh, a solid a foundation. And that cornerstone uh, was celebrated by King David as well. Uh, David, the Psalms refer to God as a rock 21 times. 
including passages like Psalm 95. Oh, come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Psalm 62 says it twice. He only is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I shall not be shaken. And because of God, the, the rock of our salvation, we will not be shaken. Although the, the earth move, the waters roar and foam, like it says in Psalm 46, uh, we stand firm because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His promises are faithful. So much changes around us. Life changes like that, and oftentimes for the worse. The things we think we can depend on can vanish all of a sudden. Wealth and prosperity can be gone in an instant. Health and vitality can be gone in an instant. Uh, No matter what we may think we have, it's all temporary like a vapor or a mist. And we all too often experience those losses, those reversals. And it can be jarring. But Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus' promises are faithful. With our hearts set on those, no matter how the tides may turn, we have stability. We have that sense of security that comes from knowing, I'm still here. God is still here. No matter what else may change, it's going to be okay. And David experienced that firsthand. He knew what he was writing about. He wasn't just copying down stuff the Holy Spirit whispered in his ear. He was speaking from experience as well. Uh, He'd been betrayed by Saul, who welcomed him into his court. Uh, He was uh, uh, Saul's golden-haired boy. He killed uh, Goliath. He played beautiful music, gave uh, uh, Saul rest. When Saul got jealous and tried to kill him. And then Saul repented. Said, oh, I'm sorry. You know what? I'm being silly. Come, come. You're like a son to me. You could have killed me and you spared me. You're obviously faithful. I'm sorry. And David comes back and Saul tries to kill him again. Constant betrayal. Doeg, the Edomite, betrayed him. So, topic of one of the Psalms. His own son, Absalom, betrayed him, staged a coup. And if that doesn't strike close enough to home, David knew his own natural desires could betray him, as they did uh, when uh, he fell into sin with Bathsheba and ended up betraying and murdering his trusted general, Uriah the Hittite, because he was led astray by his own passions and desires. He couldn't even depend on himself. But who could be there for him? His rock. 
as he wrote in Psalm 61. From the end of the earth, I call to you when my heart is faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. That's where our stability and security come from. The rock, also somewhat against type, is referred to as our source of miraculous provision in Scripture and plays a large role in Scripture as a a metaphor for provision as well. Going back to the Exodus, where uh, twice God provided for uh, the Israelites when they, they thirst with miraculous water from the rock. And uh, the uh, Apostle Paul uh, saw that rock, uh, that water-giving rock, uh, the miraculous uh, gift of life from the rock uh, in 1 Corinthians 10 as an application to Christ. When he refers to the Israelites in the Exodus saying, they all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink, from the, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. Christ uh, was the, the rock uh, throughout the time of, of Exodus, uh, who was with them, protecting them from their enemies, providing for them water and food, uh, even uh, secure, giving them uh, the, the provisions so that their clothes did not wear out, according to Scripture, through 40 years of wandering in the desert. That miraculous, incomprehensible, but dependable uh, provision of the rock in Exodus uh, also highlights what we can expect from God may not make sense. Uh, It may run counterintuitive and be all that much more difficult to have faith in. I mean, how can you depend on a rock to give you water? It takes a lot of faith. Um, But in faith, we too can depend on God uh, to provide for all we need, even when his provision seems to run counterintuitive. And say, God, I know you're giving me this, but I think I need that. What God gives us will support us. What God gives us will sustain us. And ultimately, that greatest support and sustenance is uh, the gift of faith. As we get to uh, the rock of Peter's confession and the church's confession as well. Uh, which is also very prominent in Matthew 16, where Simon Peter, or where uh, Jesus asked the disciples, who do people say I am? And they gave a variety of opinions. Who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for this Uh, Because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, rocky, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. It's oftentimes misinterpreted to say that Peter himself was the rock on which the church is built. Uh, Again, this 
contextually makes very little sense when you look at how Peter was so fallible, he'd make a pretty lousy rock to build a church on. And the fact that throughout all the Old Testament, as we were saying, God has clearly identified that he's the rock. God calls himself the rock on which his church is built, not anyone else. David wasn't talking about Peter when he said the rock was greater than I. He wasn't talking about Peter when he was looking to the rock of his salvation. God is the rock. And it's the confession of Christ as the Son of God revealed by the Father that Jesus refers to as that rock, which he actually had already referred to as the rock previously back in the Sermon on the Mount. And he said, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on a rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against that house. And yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. It wasn't founded on Peter. It was founded on Christ and his word. That is the rock that we have been given to build upon as well that can uh, hold us firm, on which we can stand upright when the the rain comes and the floods rise and the, the winds blow and slam against us. We will not fall as we build on Christ and his word. The problem is there's also the temptation to build on other things. And uh, when we do so, we find that rock still there because it's a rock. The rock isn't going anywhere. And uh, it's just going to be in our way. You, need to, you can choose to, to build your life and, and ground it yourself and your security on something else, but that doesn't mean the rock isn't there anymore. The rock, you can't get the rock out of your way. Uh, the rock is still going to be there in the way. It's a stumbling stone or a rock of offense, as uh, Peter again uh, quotes from Isaiah. Like when you're, you're building a house and you, you want to build a foundation here, but the builders say, wait a minute, we ran into bedrock. There's a problem with the basement. That rock is going to be in the way if you have a different foundation in mind. That was the problem of the uh, religious leaders in Jesus' day who had their own foundation built the traditions of men, their own righteousness. And therefore they found Christ's righteousness and God's command, a rock that was in their way, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. And actually the whole thing with Peter being the rock as a a justification for the supremacy of the papacy ends up being the same thing as the papacy find, found the, 
the supremacy of Christ and his righteousness a stumbling block in Luther's day. But that's all our natural inclination. We want to build our own foundations on our own terms and to find security in ourselves rather than in Christ. That's why Scripture throughout the history of God's people has also likened us uh, to rocks. As in the uh, Jeremiah chapter 5, where uh, God says, They have made their faces harder than rock. They refuse to repent. The prophets frequently lamented both the hard-headedness and the hard-heartedness of God's people, whose stubbornness and lovelessness made it seem as though their, their hearts and their heads were made of stone. And, of course, that stone, uh, that uh, cold, hard stone of our nature ultimately results in death. And it clearly represents uh, death in uh, the means of execution uh, for the capital punishment uh, in the law of Moses, uh, where uh, death by stoning uh, was the instrument of death. People, in their hard-headedness and hard-heartedness, made that abundantly clear uh, by even uh, perversely applying uh, that penalty of death reserved for blasphemers to God's prophets with their uh, heads of stone and hearts of stone stoning the prophets as Jesus lamented in Luke 13 Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who have been sent to her. How often I have wanted to gather your children together as a a hen gathers her young under her wings and you were unwilling. Our hearts and minds are like stone not able to love God or trust in God by our own reason or strength. We're not by nature desiring that solid, secure foundation that God offers us. And that's why Jesus had to come and melt our hearts of stone. That's the Easter message, really. As we see God's power, uh, even over stubborn stones. The stone has been rolled away. That's what Jesus' resurrection does. It overcomes the weight of that stone of death that stands between us and eternal life. 
This is the women said, who will roll the stone away? Thanks be to God, Jesus Christ has rolled the stone of death away. And even in his crucifixion, uh, before his resurrection, we see that foreshadowed. As Matthew writes in chapter 27, as, the, uh, as Christ died, and the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. What else happened? There was the massive earthquake and the rocks were split in two. And you get the impression it's not just any rocks, uh, but the gravestones because the tombs were opened. In the next verse, the, the earth shook and the rocks split and the tombs were opened. The rocks of death over God's people were split and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they entered the city and appeared to many. That's Jesus' power. The power of his death and resurrection rolls away the stone, splits the gravestones, and brings our cold, hard hearts and minds to life. Uh, to life and to love. It's recorded uh, twice in Ezekiel, in, in chapter 11 and 36. And God says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh to love me. It's a, a verse I always think of when someone talks about giving their heart to God. Well, Scripture doesn't talk about us giving a heart to God, the, something that he needs or wants. Our hearts are worthless stone, cold, dead stone. But God takes away those hearts of stone and gives us a heart of flesh. God transforms our cold, hard, dead hearts to living, pumping, thriving hearts, to loving hearts uh, that embrace him and all he gives us. He transforms our lives from silent stones into the, uh, to stones of praise. I remember Palm Sunday uh, when the uh, Pharisees rebuked Jesus' disciples. Jesus replied, I tell you, if these stop speaking, the stones will cry out. But he can make even silent stones uh, proclaimers of his praise. And he makes us in him the living stone to be living stones ourselves. As uh, we again read in First uh, Peter, our epistle lesson, living stones built into a spiritual house. Echoing what Jesus said at the beginning of his ministry to the uh, Pharisees, say, again, uh, don't think just because you're children of Abraham, uh, for I tell you that God is able from these stones 
to raise up children from it for Abraham. God is able to transform stones into children of Abraham. That God can take our cold, dead hearts and lives and give us a place among his people. His living, breathing, praising, loving, belonging people who are built up together. Whenever you hear the word edified, uh, a, a word from God edified you, it's the same word as edifice, a building. Uh, that we're being, to be edified means to be built together, not just personally strengthened, but bonded together with other believers to be built up into a spiritual house, a place of praise and worship for God, a people who declare uh, the uh, wondrous excellencies of him who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And that this is uh, our gift and privilege in Christ, that he is uh, the, the cornerstone, the builders rejected, who has become the chief cornerstone and has built us up on himself by his power so that we can rest secure on him and in him uh, find uh, the stability and to have peace uh, no matter what the world may throw at us. May that peace is beyond all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus until the day of his glorious return. Amen.